Good morning. Hey again, uh, my name is Prentice. I'm the pastor here at Bethany West Seattle. Uh, wow, it's, it's Labor Day. What are you guys doing here? Uh, but I'm so thankful that you are here and we get to hear from what God has to say. A couple things as I get started is uh, a big thank you uh, for, for, for a lot of reasons. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness. Um, and the way that uh, that bared fruit over the past few weeks is, A, uh, we were able to sponsor one student to go to a Young Life camp uh, from um, Chief South High School. And, and again, a Young Life is a camp uh, or is a program that changed my life. And I, I tell people this, that if it wasn't for Young Life, I wouldn't be up here today as your pastor. Uh, and so we were able to sponsor one student to, to go to camp, and, and I'm excited for what God uh, has done through that camp all, throughout all the years, uh, especially this summer as well. Uh, and secondly, um, we all know the, the big disaster that's been happening, that has happened, that's still happening in Houston and Corpus Christi and around those areas. So Bethany, collectively, all six locations uh, came together, and we gave... Uh, well, $10,000 uh, in total between uh, two organizations, an organization that will go directly towards the relief effort in, in Houston uh, and uh, relief effort that's actually with big flooding that's happening over in India and Nepal that uh, is not talked about, that's not uh, really in our news right now, especially because of other things. But uh, in your prayers, please be praying not only for our own nation, not only for Houston, but even the flooding and the disasters that are happening uh, on the other side of our globe, especially in India and Nepal. And so uh, thank you so much for your generosity and just know that um, we use it to expand God's kingdom, to bring healing uh, to this world, to our community, to our city, and we're so thankful to be a part of what God is doing. <clears throat> and today, that's kind of what we're talking about today. We're talking about what it means to uh, live, to w what it means to work in light of Labor Day. What does it mean to be a Christian, a person of faith uh, in work? How does that all work out? Uh, and maybe you're not a person of faith. Maybe you're here because someone dragged you here. Uh, number one, thank you so much for being here, taking a risk on a Sunday morning to show up uh, to church out of all places. Because uh, I believe that God has something to say to all of us. Uh, and I know this is kind of weird and audacious, but uh, not just as a pastor, but as a Christian, as a believer of God, I believe that God has something to offer you this morning wherever you are, no matter what you're bringing to church, uh, that I believe in this crazy thing called the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is actually going to do work in our lives. And so my desire and hope, before I get all amped and crazy, uh, is that I hope that on Sundays especially, and, and every day really, that when we walk into these doors, it's not just something that we do because it's a Sunday morning, it's a tra tradition, something we do every week, uh, but we really believe that God is up to something. Whether it's Labor Day, a holiday weekend, I have to confess to you, uh, I woke up you know, this morning and even throughout this week saying, oh, it's Labor Day, there's not going to be a lot of people there, let's just let's talk about what you have to talk about, God, and we'll get through it. But I had to convict myself, or God had to convict me and come to a realization myself, saying, no, this, this is different. We come together because God has something to say, and I really hope uh, that we all believe that, especially in this area that I'm actually really passionate about is integrating uh, our life, our work, our vocation, our calling in one hand and the other saying, all right, God, how, how do I live this out? And so we'll talk about that uh, this morning. 
Let me pray. God, thank you so much uh, that you brought us here to hear from you and to receive from you, and we thank you. God, even today we pray for what's happening uh, in our nation, um, the, the relief efforts and the suffering and the damages that are all c- caused by the flood in, in Houston and in, in, in Texas and all those places surrounding that city. God, would you just be there? Would you bring comfort? Would you bring people? Would you bring healing? And we thank you for that. God, we pray for people in India and Nepal and those surrounding areas that are also experiencing flooding and disaster and pain and suffering. God, would you be the same God to them as you are to us here? May we remember that, and we thank you for that. And we thank you for the generosity of, of your people. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you guys have had a good morning so far. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you know, it's September, and, and I was just having this conversation earlier, is I love the weather. Uh, and so when we talk about fall coming, it's kind of sad because that means the sunshine is going to go away. I know I hate to be the bearer of bad news, uh, but I believe that God brings us a gift uh, in consolation as, as the sun goes away uh, and, and fall and winter comes, God brings us um, football season. Right, in order to distract us maybe from this transition. Uh, and I love and I'm proud to be a, a, not only a Seattleite, uh, go Seahawks, but I'm also proud to be a Washingtonian. Uh, over this weekend, we had some really good wins uh, all across the board, a huge win, and everyone's, uh, Washington's favorite team won, go Cougs, right? Yeah, uh, and uh, that was amazing. Uh, and, and I know I have love for everybody. Uh, the second Washington team won as well uh, in soccer, SPU won. Uh, so that's my uh, that's why I ended up graduating from. So we had some awesome wins this weekend, and I'm thankful uh, for that. And I'm thankful for everyone, no matter what college uh, or not college you went to, uh, whether it's WSU or, or UW, I still love you. Uh, but again, it makes me really excited to come here uh, on Labor Day as we talk about what it looks like to, to labor, to be vocationally called uh, through the lens of our faith. And so we'll talk about three things. We'll talk about the dignity of work, that work is good, first and foremost. Uh, but then secondly, a brokenness of work. And then number three, uh, the healing of work. So we'll talk about those uh, three things. I want to start off with this. Uh, when, it talks, when I talk about calling and, and jobs and career and what I do, uh, and, and I share with people what my job is, uh, I get all these mixed reactions. Uh, but oftentimes, when people know what I do, I, I hear this phrase a lot. The phrase is this, oh, it's because you're a pastor. It's because you're a pastor. For example, uh, a couple weeks ago, there was a huge, there was a big negative situation uh, and, you know, I come in and I try to be positive and I try to give the silver lining, you know, you know for example, like the sun is going to go away, but we have football season. Uh, are the Cougs? And so I, a couple weeks ago, I tried to bring in a positive light to a negative situation. Uh, and in response, I get, oh, you have to say that, Prentice, because you're a pastor. Oh, like as if I'm not a good enough human being for me to want the best for people and, and the best for a situation. Uh, I have to want that because of my job title. Or, or last night, I was at a wedding, 
uh, in Canyon Beach, and it was beautiful. Everything was so great. We're ordering, uh, we're getting our food at the reception, and the server comes up to me and says, would you like a glass of wine? Of course I said yes. I said, yes, I'll take a glass of wine. And the person next to me says, uh, are you allowed to drink wine? Uh, and I was like, because this person knew what I did. And I said, yeah, but for a second I was confused. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm allowed to drink wine. Uh, and she said, but, but you're a pastor. And I said, well, you know, uh, yes, there's different schools of thought. Uh, but at Bethany, we, we drink wine. Uh, and uh, so that's okay. But I hear this over and over again, this phrase, it's because you're a pastor. Uh, And again, it is a little offensive because people maybe don't have hope in me uh, or don't think that I can wish people well or want to do well. It's because of my title that I want this. And sometimes I want to respond by saying, well, don't you want this? Uh, And it's not because I'm a pastor, it's because I'm a Christian. And furthermore, it's not even because I'm a Christian. I want the best and I want good oftentimes or most of the time, or because I'm a human being. And so what that brings to light is oftentimes when we talk about uh, careers and jobs and calling and what we do, I've come to realize that people break it up into two different dualistic attitudes. There's this holy thing that we do. And so for a lot of Christians, for a lot of believers, the working in a church is the holiest thing. Uh, or, or uh, yes, I have a job, but I also serve in a church, and I also do this. So we break it up. There's this holy world of vocation, of calling and work. And then there's the what a kind of a Christianese word, secular or, or, or worldly. And those are two separate things that people identify with. And, and so when people see me do something good or something uh, Christian or Christ or whatever it is, they say, oh, you do that because you're a pastor. You have to do that. And my response is, no, I do that because I'm a human, and I hope the same for you. Because I really believe that the Bible teaches that there is no separation between the holy and the secular, especially when it comes to vocation and calling. In fact, everything that we do, especially if you call yourself a believer, a follower of Jesus, no matter what work you do, no matter what job you have, no matter what vocation or what you believe that God is calling you to do, all of that is holy. And all of that is beautiful, and all of that is exactly where God wants you, whether it's inside of a holy building like a church or, or elsewhere or in a financial firm or, or cleaning houses or, 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 you know, working at health and fitness. Whatever it is, God called you there, therefore it is holy. And, and we cannot forget that. We cannot lose sight of that because the moment that we lose sight of the fact that what we do is where God has called us, we are going to be exhausted from work. We get tired. And until we have a better understanding or an understanding that everything we do, no matter what your job title is, no matter what your career path is, that God has given you a purpose, you will never feel fulfilled. Now, I'm not going to spend time talking about ethics because I'm today because that's another whole separate conversation, but I'm just going to make a couple assumptions uh, in this room that you're gonna, the assumption is you know that I'm not talking about things like uh, drug dealing, like God has not called you to be the best drug dealer in the world or the best hitman. Like, we, we know that, right? So I'm not talking about that uh, today. I'm talking about our calling. 
and, and where God has us and really our work. And, and this is so important because I hear over and over again people from different spheres of influence and different jobs saying, Prince, I don't feel fulfilled. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. Uh, I just don't feel, you know, I go into to work day, to, you know, day after day. I, I plug numbers. I, you know, type on the keyboard or whatever it is. And then I come home and I do this again the next day. And it's a cycle day in, day out, over and over again. And I'm tired. And, and, and I would say the mo- the reason why a lot of us get that way is because we don't have a complete grasp on our calling and what God has to say about our work. You know, in Colossians 3.23, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not, as, not for human masters. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord. So it doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a missionary or a a children's worker or whatever it is. Whatever you do, Paul says, do it as if you're working for the Lord because essentially you are. And then in chapter 15 of Corinthians, it says, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. There's purpose in what we do. There's purpose in what you do. And it's our responsibility as followers of Christ to ask the question, okay, God, why have you called me? What is my purpose here? And I can almost promise you that God will answer that. But first thing we have to know that is, is that work is good. There's goodness and there's dignity in every work that we do. So remember that even tomorrow as you go into work on a Monday morning saying, you know what? There's a purpose of why I'm here, and what I do is good. See, what we don't realize is that work, it's not punishment, okay? Work is not punishment. I know a lot of us, we think that, okay, work came after the fall, and, and, it's, it's, and it's due to sin, and, and all these things. But if we look closely and examine, especially Genesis chapter 1 and 2, work actually came before the fall. Meaning when God created everything in the world, When God created all of humanity, God created humanity to work, to take care of the garden. And not only did God create people to work, but what we see in Genesis chapter 2 is that God actually was the first one to work. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished. So God created everything and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done. And he rested on that seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, so made it holy, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. That's Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, and then in 15 says, uh, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and to keep it, to essentially work it what God had started, what God has worked, what God has finished. God wanted Adam and Eve, the first humans, to continue with that work. And even in Genesis chapter 2, it's the word work is this word mulk. It's a, it's a Hebrew word that's translated as to actually labor. It's God wasn't doing something holier than something, somebody else. Uh, the word work, when it said that God worked, It was the same word that's used throughout Scripture, throughout the Hebrew culture, about what it means to actually be an employee, like to work. Uh, And this was a big statement because in the ancient Near East, 
there were story, different stories of creation, how the world came, up, came about. And in a majority of those stories, uh, how the world came about were, were two gods, like Murduk and Enuma Elish. So these are all kind of ancient popular writings. It's about two gods warring against each other uh, and one god defeating another god and that god using the defeated god's uh, remains as the earth. That, and then not only that, on that earth, uh, the winning god would create humans so that God could sit back and the people can take care of that earth. And, and even in the, uh, not only the Jewish writings, but even, or the Babylonian writings, but even in the Greek writings, uh, there was this um, golden ages where they understood that when the world came about, it was about God and people coming together, so kind of like our understanding Yet, they didn't have to work at all. Their understanding of work and creation was that creation fulfilled itself, and God and people had nothing to do with it. And so, when the ancient Jews were reading Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, it was, it was paradoxical for them. It was almost outlandish, saying, wait a minute, we know of all these stories of either God and people didn't work, or, or, the, or work was about conflict and war and violence, and it's about resting so someone else can do all the work. And yet the Jewish idea, the Christian idea uh, of the Bible is that work is actually good. God created work. God was the first worker. And the invitation is God saying, okay, I'm working and it's beautiful. This is the way I want it. And I want you to join me in what I'm doing on this earth. That's important for us to grasp. This understanding, a good, healthy theology of work, that God loves it. That God created it. God does it and then asks us to participate in it. This changes everything because now when we have this idea that we're joining God in making the world better, making our society, our community better, more beautiful, more holy, more loving, more productive, that changes the way we view our jobs. So now, no matter what you do, it matters. Again, whether you're... Uh, so, someone that cl cleans for a living, cleans buildings, clean off. It matters. You're making a world a better place. You're joining God in what God is doing. If you work in finance, if you work in accounting, if you uh, work in, uh, in health and tra in physical training and, and whatever it is, it matters. If you're an engineer, if you're in construction, if you are uh, what people would call white collar or blue collar, whatever it is, it matters. Whether you are staying at home and you work as uh, taking care of your family as a mother, full -time, as a father, whatever it is, it matters. Because everything you do, you're joining God in making this world a better place. And, and that's what God had intended when God was in creation. God created everything to be beautiful and perfect and productive and life-giving. And says, Adam, Eve, join me. Do this, do that, so we can collectively do this together. And it's that mentality that changes the way we view life. That when you walk in, no matter what your job is, 
when we uh, go back to Colossians and says, what I do, yes, I might have supervisors, I might have managers and bosses, what I do matters, yes, because I want to be a good employee, but it matters even at a macro, at a bigger level, because what I do is honoring God, and I'm joining in what God does in our world, in our community. And that's why ethics matters. That's why our, our diligence matters. That's why the way we treat, you know, coworkers and our boss, all those things matter. Because there's this idea of the kingdom of God that's, that's here but not yet. It's just kind of like a theological statement that, yes, Christ is coming, but Christ is not returned yet. And so when Christ comes, everything will be perfect. But Christ has not come yet. But our calling is to, sure, bring Christ onto earth to our people, to our friends, to our family, to our workplaces, and to be a glimpse of what heaven is going to look like. And we do that in our work, the way we treat people, the, 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 matter, the manner in which we, we work. Understanding this, that yes, heaven is not here yet. It won't be perfect. We can't make things perfect. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. No matter how hard we work, no matter how diligent and integrous we are, we can't make it perfect, but we can make it better. And that's our calling. When God has created and God is already working, God invites us to join and not making it perfect. God will make it perfect in the second coming of Christ, but God wants us to make it better. And the question is, A, do we have that mindset when we go into work day in, day out? That what I do, what you do, what we do is joining God, what God is doing in this world to make it better. And I really believe when we have that attitude, I have to give that, I'm a pastor and yet I still have to have that attitude. We all have to have that attitude. Because I would say because God created this idea of work, that when we work outside of God's creation, outside of God's mindset, that is when we get exhausted and tired and hopeless and unfulfilled. And we have the right understanding of work. And it's aligned to how God created it. God gives us that joy. God gives us that fulfillment. But number two, we have all experienced that there's a brokenness in our work. In Genesis chapter 3, the following chapter, it says this. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is a ground because of you. Through painful toil, to painful work, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you are taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. So we know in Genesis 1 and 2, as the story continues, God says, do not eat of this fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what, what do they do? They, they eat of the fruit. 
and, and the consequences that God brings them is saying, all right, now what work was, it was beautiful. Now it's going to be toil. Now you're going to sweat. Now it's not going to be so fun. Uh, and the serpent actually comes and, and uh, or the, God says, you will, die, you will surely die. And, and what happened when they ate of the fruit? Did they actually physically die? No, they, they didn't. They didn't physically die. But the understanding of this is, yes, you may not physically, they may not have physically died, but through work now, through the toil, through the pain of their brows, their soul, their internal, their, their spirit has been crushed from what God had originally intended them to be and to feel and to do. But when, when you look at that sin, it wasn't that because of the fruit was so bad. It wasn't necessarily the fruit that, that, that was the sinful aspect that God didn't want them to do, uh, it, it said that the serpent says, when you have this fruit, you will be like God. So it wasn't the fruit necessarily. It was what happened after they ate of the fruit that was the sin. They ate of the fruit because they wanted to be like God, to know the difference between good and evil, which at that moment in time, only God did. And so this idea is this underlining idolatry. I want to be like God. And me wanting to be like God, idolatry, is what brings death to my soul. Maybe not a physical death, because that didn't even happen to Adam and Eve, but there was a death, there was a crushing of their soul because of their longing for more. Essentially, to be like God. In the story of humanity, we all know, it doesn't end there. In Genesis uh, chapter 11, verse 3, it's the story of Tower of Babel. And in verse 3, it says this, They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They use brick in, uh, instead of stone and tar for mortar. So they're, bu- they're building the Tower of Babel, is what they call it, to reach God uh, from their own works. Uh, and then they said, Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that, they, so that we may... Make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Let me read that last verse again. So that we may make a name for ourselves. See, the, the history of humanity all the way from creation to the Tower of Babel, even today, is that oftentimes we mix up our understanding of work instead of us working for God and what God is doing in this world and participating with God, we actually end up working for our own self. What does that mean? How does that look? Well, in my work, I want to be rich. I want financial, you know, comfortability, not only comfortability, but I want financial wealth. Uh, I want status. I want fame. I want upward mobility, For whatever reason, we believe that that's going to bring us satisfaction and joy. But what we understand and what we know and have probably experienced is that, yes, we, the danger of wanting more is that oftentimes we can get it. But what we realize once we get more is that more is just not enough. And so you need more, 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 more. It's this vicious cycle where we're exhausted and tired and our souls are crushed. 
and we experience a little bit of death. Maybe not a physical death, but kind of death in our souls. And so we wake up every morning, oh, I have to go back to work. I have to provide. And yes, that's all true. But when we go back to Genesis chapter 3, when we go back to the Tower of Bell, making a name for ourselves, when we long for just, just our own you know, possessions and our own gains, I promise you, you will be exhausted. And you will never, ever be satisfied because the cycle is unending of wanting more and more. It actually deteriorates the first point that God made work good. And so therefore, everything you do, everything I do, everything we do collectively in terms of vocation is good because that's the way God created it to be. But if we're only looking for financial stability and gains and upper mobility, then we start to class, classify jobs. Well, that job is better than that job. Or that work is more holy than that work. Or that is more that's seen as, as more of a higher status of work than the other work. And what God is saying, no, everything that we do should expand the kingdom of God. Therefore, everything that we do, no matter what it is, is equally important. When we lose sight of that because we just want our own gains. Because this isn't good enough, therefore I want to go here. The problem is, it's not just for us. We view that for other people too. If we, project, if we have that judgment for ourselves that this isn't good enough, I need to get here, we're going to naturally project that to other people. So if that person is here, that's not good enough. I want them to be here. And we started getting into uh, you know, different aspects of socioeconomics and judgmentalism and, and being divisive and separate. Because we lose the meaning that all work is God's work and it's all holy no matter what you do. Just in whatever you do, do it well, make it beautiful, make it good, help people, make society a better place because of you. Because your identity is not based upon your actual job title. Your identity is belonging to God and being a co-creator alongside with God. And so when people say, when people say, oh, it's because you're a pastor, you do this. No, it's the other way around, actually. It's because of my faith that compels me to be a pastor. And maybe for you, it's your faith that compels you to be the best engineer possible. Maybe it's because of your faith that makes you the best uh, server at a restaurant possible. See, then that gets rid of this hierarchy of jobs and calling and vocation. You know, I try to tell this to the welcome team, even at our church. You know, sometimes when people walk in, they think, oh, the music, the preaching, it's the, it's the most important part of a church. And I want to remind them every time that actually it's the other way around. There's been even studies shown that people will decide on which church to attend uh, in the first two minutes as they arrive. So in the first two minutes, we have to assume that they haven't really heard a sermon they haven't really heard the music quite yet. It's how they feel and how they felt welcomed, if they did or not. And so I love to, I try to tell the welcome team, look, whether you're a greeter, whether you are behind the scenes and, and you make a pot of coffee, that's just as important as me preaching, as Chelsea singing, as Sarah doing children, whatever it is, it's all part of the equal puzzle. You know, story after story, I hear people say, oh man, I came to church, someone dragged me, and I, I had such a bad attitude, and 
the greeter said, hello. And that kind of just changed everything. And, and what that does is that person walks in, and all of a sudden there's a barrier that's broken down because somebody decided to say hello, and then somebody decided to offer them coffee. And then they sit down, and they're able to receive the music and how God is speaking through art. And then that even opens up their heart to hear what God might have to say through the scriptures. And then afterwards, you go downstairs and you have bagels and you have coffee or whatever it is that somebody prepared. And now there's community. Do you see how that works? Whether you're behind the scenes, whether you're doing this job or that job, whether you're preaching or singing or just behind the scenes, again, cleaning or, or making coffee. It's all part of the puzzle that God calls us to, to make this place a better place and has that same calling in your workplace to do the same thing that no matter what you do, do it well. Be an example of what it looks like. Make people ask questions. Why, why, do you, why are you so happy about taking out the trash? Why, why are you so happy in this position? Or, or why, why, how do you, why do you treat your employees so well? Or why is this important for you? Why is ethics or, or, or you know, caring about this so important? Make a statement of your faith in your workplace. Now, I'm not necessarily saying, saying grab your Bible and start you know, uh, proselytizing in your workplace. No, I'm not saying that, though uh, there is a time and place to share our faith with people and the gospel and scripture. I, I truly believe in that. But that's not the end all say all. What I'm saying is live your life in your workplace and, and be a message, a place of healing and hope for others. And that's the third part is, is work. What we do brings healing. When we lose sight of work and what we do just for our own financial and our monetary and our own uh, status gains, we lose, we lose sight of all that. Work is now toil and it brings hardship. But when we go back to what God originally intended, that actually brings healing. Because of the example, because who you are in that place. I, we can't have everybody be pastors. We can't have everybody be church employees. That, no, that, that would actually, I'll dare to say this, that would not make a world a better place. It just wouldn't. A world would be a better place if we have people scattered. Yes, to be a pastor. Yes, to be a music pastor, children's pastor. But yes, to be uh, a police officer, yes, uh, to be a cook in finance, in investment, in sales, in tech, in health and fitness, because all that collectively is joining in what God is doing to make this world a beautiful place, to make this place uh, a here but not yet. Heaven is coming. The world is going to be perfect. Just not quite yet. But that doesn't mean we give up. That doesn't mean we stop what we're doing. It means we participate and show the world a glimpse of what heaven is going to look like. And let that be an invitation to take part and join in what God is doing. You know, this attitude changes even the way we, we view our own integrity. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I heard a um, kind of a keynote from this guy named Elliot who is the founder of uh, this app called PushPay. 
Some of you guys might be familiar with it, but it's, it's an app that a lot of churches use, but a lot of businesses use it too, where people can give through push pay. Uh, and, and it's just fancy app, cell phone app that's on your iPhone and Android and all those things. Uh, and he was telling us the story of how he got started. And it was tough. If any entrepreneurs in here will tell you that the beginning, or it's always tough, but the beginning is especially tough. Raising money, raising capital, getting the word out there, getting customers and all those things. And, and as a young entrepreneur, he, uh, had to, he had to think about what his values were. He was a believer of Christ. He wanted to make sure that his employees himself, the way that business was ran, reflected that. And so when there was, a, in, there was a, 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 an angel investor that came up to him, uh, he invested in other things that Elliot, the, the founder, was not very uh, fond of, didn't really appreciate that necessarily. And, and the guy said, I will invest a million dollars right now in your company, you know, for an X percentage. And he had to go back here to think about it. You know, when you're a struggling entrepreneur and someone says, I will, I will, don't, I will give or contribute a million dollars, that's a lot of money. He had to go back and he had a board and, and ultimately he ended up denying that contribution, that, that, that donor. He said, you know, he was praying to God and he was saying, you know, obviously if it was just me, I would take it. If it was just me, uh, I would want to advance myself. This was just about me. Yes, of course I would take it, not care about integrity, not care about anything else, because then I would advance in money. I would probably be a lot more prosperous, a lot quicker and faster. But I can't join and partner with this person who's doing things that I wouldn't be proud of. Because now he views his work not just as a financial gain, but, but work that will help and to advance God's beautiful creation. So as I invite the band back up in our, in our time of response, I want us to think about this. Yes, it's, it's Labor Day, or it's Labor Day weekend. It's a day we have a long weekend. Uh, but I really want to you know, help us understand, invite us to, to, to think about our jobs. Let this be a time where we think about our work. Are we happy in our work? And the second question to that is, if you're not, why is that? And maybe, just maybe, the reason you're not, and sometimes I'm not too, it's because we lose sight of what work is all about. That God created work to be good. That God created work to, to help and cultivate and to make the world and communities, our society, our city a better place. And for us to participate in that, right where you're at, right where you're at, whatever you're doing, God has called you there. Whether it's for a long period of time, maybe it's for a short season, I don't know. But wherever you're at, that's where God has you. Be fully present. Be fully present. You know, in Jeremiah 29, uh, God sends uh, his people into exile, into Babylon. And in Babylon, out of all the statements that God can say, God says, in Babylon, hey, settle in. He says, marry the, the, the women and the men, marry with the Babylonians, build houses, plant gardens. What? 
God sends them to exile and says, this is your life. Be fully there. Be fully present. Love. Make families. Create and cultivate. Be creative. And really, if we're talking theologically here, I don't want to get too crazy theologically, but we are at this, a lot of us, or all of us, theologically are in exile. God calls us out. God calls you out to wherever you're at. And in that exile, to settle in. And I really believe that changes our hearts on how we view our work, our jobs. And for some that are looking for jobs or retired or unemployed, that's something in itself. That's a place you can honor and worship God and say, all right, in my time, in my space, in my place of influence, how can I make this a beautiful place? God will use you. God is using you. Yes, there's obvious places, like if you work in a church, if you're you know, a missionary, if you work in healthcare, if you're a nurse or a doctor, yes, we can easily find ways to say, you know what, God's using you to help others. But then, you know, I get questions from people, well, I'm an investment banker, you know, I'm in sales, I'm in this and I'm in that. Well, do that well, do that with integrity. You know, I, you know I'm in a, a world of health and fitness and I love it. And I encounter coaches and trainers all the time. It's a hard place to be sometimes, but I'd say, you know what? Make people see the benefits of living a healthier and a life that takes care of our bodies as good stewards. Do that well. Love people that are going through body image issues. Let them know that there's a God that thinks you're beautiful. If you're in the tech industry, help make the world a better place, more efficient. I can't wait for the iPhone 8. Thank you to those creators. If you're in construction, help people build beautiful homes and bring joy to their families. Whatever it is that you do, God has called you there to contribute, to expand, to work alongside God and what God is doing already in the world. Let's make it a beautiful place. Let's make it a place where people see us and see a beautiful God. Let's make it a place where they want to be a part of that as well. In a world of so much chaos, in a world of so many lies, in in a world of so many uh, messiness, may we be a beacon of hope in our workplaces. God, thank you so much. Now, whether we know it or not, you have us right where we should be. And so, God, help us to be all there, be all in, to settle in, and to be a beacon of hope, to contribute, to make a beautiful place, to do what you're already doing there. Thank you for your invitation to, to, have, you, to have us join you. And may we see dignity in all work because everything that you've called us to do is for your kingdom. We thank you. Remind us of that. Help us not to be discouraged on Monday. Help us not to feel hopeless. Help us to feel grateful and joyful and fulfilled because the higher calling is not us working for our supervisors, it's working for you. And we 
thank you for that calling. In your name we pray.